You don't mess me up. All right. I ain't Ready. You up. <laughs> Here we go. This, <laughs> this is, is my, my Bible. Bible. It, it is, is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. Well, let's pray and jump right in. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. You want to pray? Sure. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for being here with us, and we thank you for leading and guiding us to to the truth that you will reveal to us, Lord, that we came expecting to hear from you, Lord. We ask that you uh, use me and Robbie's mouths as, as your mouths, and you speak through us, and that you reveal your mysteries unto the people that are here and the people that are listening online. Lord, we just thank you for this. And uh, thank you, Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you will not interfere here. You must leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, we're in Galatians chapter 5. This is part 12. For all of our online listeners, uh, we apologize. You missed last week. We uh, had a technical error in the, in the recording department. Woo, there we are. There it is. We had a technical error in the recording department last week. And so it did not get live streamed or recorded. Um, so we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. We're going to read verses 9 through uh, 18, which are the verses that we, um, I'm sorry, 9 through, yeah, 18, which are the verses that we did last week. We'll just talk a few minutes about it, and then we're going to jump right into verse 19. So we'll read starting in verse 9. All right, amen. Verse 9, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none wiser minded, but he None hath... other wise minded. You said it weird. It didn't sound right. Oh, okay. Well, let me try it again. Okay. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren... If I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased? I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. All right. 
So just a quick summary, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Basically, the, if you get around a sinful environment, if you get around people that are sinners, if, you, if that's where you place yourself, you're going to eventually uh, take part in those behaviors. That's why we say frequently the creek you hang around is the creek that you eventually fall in. Because around here, not right now, it's too cold right now. But in the summertime, we like to get around these spring-fed creeks, and we don't like to get in them necessarily, definitely not in the springtime, because they're very icy. But we like to get out there and play on the rocks and what have you. But if you play on the rocks long enough, everybody knows something's going to happen. What's going to happen? You're going to fall. You're going to get wet. You're going to get wet if you hang around that creek bed long enough. So that's what he was saying. He said, you hang around... Uh, people that are trying to get you under the law long enough, you're going to eventually come under the law. You hang around sinners long enough, they're going to get you into sin. You get hang around religious people long enough, you're going to move over from relationship with God to religion with God, and that's not okay. Yep. And you know, if if you even just a little bit of sin is going to mess you up. Yes, absolutely. You know, just like with the the example we gave of of the brownies. Yeah. If, if I made a, the best brownies in the world and I took in front of everyone and threw in one rabbit poop into that batch of brownies, ain't, ain't nobody going to eat a single one. I guarantee you, you wouldn't even taste it. Mm-mm. But it doesn't matter. You know it's in there. Right. <laughs> and it just takes a little bit. Yep, that's that little leaven, leaven, the whole lump. He said, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he beeth. What Paul was saying is he said, I have confidence that because of Christ in you, you will overcome these people that are trying to get you in a hot mess. In other words, if you'll stay with Christ, Christ will get you out of the mess. Paul didn't say, I have confidence in you. He said, I have confidence in you through Christ. In other words, the you that lives with Christ leading you and guiding you will get you through. But if you lean on your own might power, you're going to fail. He said, he said, I have confidence in you through Christ. In other words, if you'll stay with Christ, you will prevail. And, uh, and then he said, went on and he said, listen, he said, these people that cause you to stumble, these people that cause you to fall, these people that get you to go back under the law, they're going to come under the judgment of the great God. Um, now, here's, and this question was asked last week, and it was a great question. What if you're the one that causes yourself to stumble? I highly recommend that you repent because you're going to be the one that comes under the judgment. He was very clear. Whoever causes you to stumble, that's the one that's going to receive the judgment. So keep yourself upright. All right. Verse 11. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then Then is the offense of the cross ceased? Basically, it was rumored that Paul circumcised Timothy when what happened was Paul just happened to be present with Timothy when Timothy asked Paul to go with him when he got circumcised because Timothy was half Jew and Timothy believed that if he was circumcised, he would be a he would be able to uh, witness or attest to Jews uh, that the Jews would be more accepting of him and he would have a bigger opportunity to preach Christ to them. And Paul said, so here's the deal. If I'm preaching circumcision, why are you still persecuting me? And, and his, his, the whole point was, obviously I'm not preaching circumcision. What's offending you is not my preaching. What's offending you is the cross. And that's what offends people today is the cross. 
you can, listen, you can, and, and I'm, I'm not belittling anybody, I'm just stating facts. Uh, if you will pay attention to your Christian music, most Christian music, very few songs will use the word Jesus or use the word blood. Because the word Jesus and the word blood offends. And this is, this is modern Christian This is songs. modern Christian music. It offends. And marketers have found, and this is what marketers tell uh, upcoming artists, if you want to reach more people, you cannot use, you have to use the word Jesus very minimally or perhaps even not at all and definitely keep the word blood to a bare minimum because it offends. And, and these artists, because they want to reach more people for God, heed, and they don't use the word Jesus and they don't use the word blood. Well, in the one hand, you can say, well, at least they're doing something for Christ, and I can understand that argument. But on the other hand, then their music portrays to any God, goes to any God, any God. You know, there's been some songs recently that the Lord, I'm like, you know, Lord, that's a pretty good song. And uh, the Lord will say, what God was it written to? You, I assume. But when the Lord asks me, how much you know God already knows the answer? How much you know God already knows the answer? So when God says, what God was this song written to, how much you know, immediately that's some serious red flags. <laughs> immediately that's some serious red flags. Oh, because maybe that song's written to a man-made Jesus. Maybe that song's written to uh, Jesus of their own making. Maybe that song's not written to, a, to Jesus at all, but some other God. Maybe it's written to Allah or Muhammad or Buddha or one of the millions of Muslim gods, uh, of uh, Hindu, Hindu gods. Who knows? Um, so he, he said, he said, no, he said, he said, it's not, it's not circumcision that offends. It's not my preaching that offends. What offends you is the cross because Paul preached the cross. All right, let's keep going. All right, verse 12. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. Paul said, honestly, I just wish these people that trouble you and cause you to stumble and cause, cause you to fall. If it was up to me, I would just have them cut off. And honestly, as a pastor, I agree 100%. But it's not up to us. Right, that's true. It's and he, was, he was also, he's, he was also, in a way, correcting them. He's saying, you need to cut them off. That's exactly what he was saying. <laughs> for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I love this definition of liberty. If you look this word up, liberty, it means that true liberty is living as you should, not as you please. He said, yes. He said, you have the freedom to live like you should, not to live however you please. That's what liberty in Christ is. Today, liberty, when you hear liberal or libertarian or the lib, you know, the liberals, whatever, immediately people think everything's for free and there's nothing wrong, that I, I can't do anything wrong. No, no, no. He said, no, liberty is the freedom to live like you're supposed to under God, not the freedom to live however you want to. Now, so obviously now, the definition of liberty has, changed, has, has uh, changed dramatically. This word literally means freedom. Now Christ has given us the ability, and God too, mm -hmm. the ability to make our own choices Absolutely. and to do whatever we want, That's whether it be good or bad. He even tells us, hey, make good decisions. Don't make bad because yeah. good decisions lead to life. Bad decisions lead to death. Yeah. He explains it all to you, and, but he still leaves it up to you. 
Yep. And we still have the ability to do to make the wrong choices. But he he tells us again here, as we'll see shortly, that you better not make the wrong choices because yep. you're going to pay for it in the end. Yeah. Verse 14 says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen, if you will just treat people with love, you will automatically fulfill the love of God. And when I say treat people with love, I'm talking about agape, not, um, what's my, what's my word? Eros. Eros. Eros, exotic love. There's so many different words for love. We're not talking physical love. We're talking fatherly love, brotherly love. That's what we're talking about. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you not be consumed one another. Basically, he said, if you're going to bite people and gossip about people and talk about people and be rude about people, uh, chances are you, you better watch out because more than likely that same behavior is going to come back and take you down too. He said, don't do that. No, 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 no. That's not the way you want to go. Uh, verse 16 and 17 go right together. We'll read both of these and talk about both of these. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that, that ye cannot do the things that ye would. All right. So we know this. We know that we're three parts. We are a living, we are an eternal spirit. That's down on the inside. That's our spirit, the human spirit. That's the part of you that's going to live forever. Rather, that part of you lives forever in heaven or hell. That's your choice. But that's your spirit. Your spirit lives inside a physical, fleshy body. That's what we refer to as the flesh. Inside you also is a soul. This is your thoughts, feelings, emotions. This is your personality. Um, we refer to that as the soul. The spirit is always going to go with God. The spirit is always going to follow God. Your spirit is never going to do anything that goes against God. Your spirit will never lead you away from God. Your spirit is unchangeable as far as being alive unto God. Okay? Now, and I just said that, and the Holy Ghost said there's one exception. If you choose to allow your spirit to be overtaken and possessed by a demon spirit, then it'll lead you the wrong way. But you cannot have a godly spirit and a, you cannot be possessed by the spirit of God and by the spirit of a devil at the same time. No. So if you are a child of God, your spirit will never lead you away from God. Okay? Your flesh will never lead you towards to, God. Toward God. <laughs> your flesh is always going to lead you to fulfilling its wants. And the flesh is never satisfied. It, it'll say, oh, you can have just one cigarette. You can have just one drink. You can get with that one person, and that'll be enough. That'll satisfy you. And in the moment, it'll satisfy you, but it won't be too long before it wants another cigarette, another alcohol, another person. It's never satisfied. Your flesh is always looking for the next high. And your poor old soul's stuck in and the middle. And your soul, your <laughs> thoughts, feelings, and emotions are stuck in the middle. They are absolutely stuck in the middle. Well, this just sounds awful. I know, but it doesn't have to be. Your flesh, your spirit is always going to go with God. Your soul is trainable. Your soul is going to go the direction of what you feed it. 
If you feed on the Word of God, if you listen to good music, if you watch clean things, if you listen to good preaching, if you think on, if you do what it says to do over in Philippians, and you think on what is good and lovely and a good report, and you're constantly thinking about the things above, as the Scriptures tell us, then then what's going to happen is... um, your soul is going to desire the things of God. You can train it to think on the things of God. If your spirit and your soul are in agreement with God, your body will automatically agree. It'll fall in line. It'll automatically fall in line. Now, if on the other hand, you are constantly feeding on the things of the world, the best new alcohol drink, the best new cigarettes, the best new gambling spot, the best new party. What's the best party in town? You're feeding on horror movies and basically the works of the flesh or the works of Satan. Guess what your body's going to desire to do? Your body's going to go on those things. And then your, your soul will start to follow it. Right, and your soul's going to lead you that way. Your flesh is going to go that way. The more you feed your flesh what it wants, the more you feed the soul on the things of the world, the, the more in sin you will go, but you're still never going to find satisfaction. Why? Because now you're on the devil's territory. And, he's gonna, and for a little while, he's going to leave you alone. And for a little while, life is going to be good. But eventually, once you're really sucked in and once you are just, you're so into those things you can't see straight, then the devil's going to start eating your lunch with the curse. Okay. And you're never going to find fulfillment. You're never going to find true love. You're not going to find satisfaction. You're going to go from bad relationship to bad relationship, from bad work situation to bad work situation. Well, Pastor, now wait a minute. What about these superstars that have all this money and all this fame, and they live dirty and they live filthy? You're right. They live dirty. They live filthy. Yep, they got a whole bunch of money, but... If you can get them to be honest with you, most of them battle severe depression. They battle addiction. They are the lonely. They will, if they'll be honest with you, they will tell you. I've heard, I've heard interviews from them where they have had the, where they have had, they, they tell you the little, they've got every, they, for them to have people, they say this, they say, I've got people around me 24-7, but yet I'm the loneliest person in the world. And they live in fear. They live in fear. constant fear. They're overwhelmed. Many of them overdose. Many of them commit suicide. All kind, many of them die prematurely. It's not a pleasant, it's not, it's not all that it looks like it's supposed to be. Why? And it's only temporary. Why? Because they got over on the devil's territory, and yeah, the devil gave them everything they wanted, but then the devil also took them into bondage. And so now they, the only way they can get free from that is to surrender to Christ, and more than likely they're going to lose a lot of what they have. Some of them don't, but most of them, the ones that surrender to God, you'll notice they fall out of fame. They fall out of public eye. You'll, you'll, you'll notice that. You, you know, you've got this, if you, if, I mean, I've got several uh, people that, when it was my childhood, I really enjoyed them as actors, and then all of a sudden, they just disappeared. And I went and thought, you know, one day I thought, well, wait, wait, what happened to this one, and what happened to that one? Several of them died prematurely, and the few that are still alive, mo- the, the ones that, that have lived in long life, most of them have left that fame and fortune and have gone to a godly life, and now they're, you know, they're good. Why? Because they surrendered. What does that mean that I can do live crazy and wild for a while and surrender? If you're, if somebody's praying for you, but I wouldn't count on it. 
if you're lucky. If, if you're, I mean, if somebody, I mean, it's going to take divine intervention for that to happen. Let me put it that way. Because most of the people that go down this road don't come back. No, most of them don't. Most of them end up in hell. Most of them do. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just awful. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you one as an example because you can go find the information for yourself. Robin Williams was one. And I, and more than likely, I'm not judging if he is or not, but more than likely, Robin Williams is in hell today. And here's why I say this. Because I saw interviews of him in the 1970s and in the 1980s, and out of his own mouth, he said that even in the nightclubs before he was famous, in the nightclubs, it's common practice in nightclubs all over the world. You go into the back rooms, you're in the green room waiting for your time to go out on stage. And these and are his words, not These Robbie's. are his words. He said, and he said, he said, and the, the comedians are all in their dressing rooms or in the green areas, and they are doing these rituals and these processes so that demons can enter into them so that they can be funny on stage. That's what he said. Then I saw an interview of him shortly before he died. And Robin Williams had always only worked on one project all the days of his life. He's, he ever only worked on one project at a time. And at this point in time, he was working on four different projects. And they asked him, they said, Robin, all through your entire career, you've only ever worked on one project at a time, and now you're working on four. What, why the change? What happened? And he said, well, he said, I have some pretty hefty financial obligations. In other words, he was financially drowning. He said, I have some pretty hefty financial obligations, and I had to take on all four of these projects just to meet the basic financial requirements. And then these were his words. He said, I just hope. I did not take on more demons than I can control. And it was very shortly after that that he was found hung by a belt of a closet, of hanging from a closet door, from the doorknob of a closet door. How messed up do you have to be to die that way? Fame and fortune. Now, I mean, I, I pray. I, I, when I found that out, I said, Lord, please tell me he met you in the last moments. You know, I, I, Lord, I can't change his eternity, but I really hope he changed his situation. I really hope he met you in those last moments. Why did he come to that point? Because his life was consumed in the works of the flesh. That's why. So your, the flesh, so see, your spirit and your flesh are going to always be contending with each other. But do you have to live in that warlike state all the days of your life? No. If you will feed on the spirit... If you will feed your, not feed on the spirit, but if you will feed on spiritual things, if you will pray, if you will be kingdom minded, if you will set your affection above, if you will uh, spend time in the word, if you will protect yourself from wrong environments, if you'll stay out of the beer, out of the bars and the gambling places and the tattoo parlors and all the places of sin if you'll guard what you watch on the tv if you'll guard the music that you listen to if you'll guard how you care for your body if you'll get oh if you'll cut sin out of your life it, your your soul will come right in line and because your soul 
is strong in the things of God and your spirit is strong in the things of God, your flesh will go, okay, I guess we're doing spiritual things. And your flesh will actually begin to enjoy spiritual things. It will. Uh, We go to the conferences um, five times a year. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, they said, is that a vacation to you? And I said, actually, it is. And they were like, but you're working. And I said, well, I know, but I'm, you know, it's just a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the evening. But, you know, I get to go. I get to relax. I get to hang out with friends. I get to nap. I get to take some time off. That's something I don't really get to do at home. So, yeah, that's a vacation to me. If Michael and I were to go, like, on a vacation vacation where we didn't have anything church-wise we would have to do, we would still take Jesus with us. We would still get around the Word. We would listen to sermons. We would spend time talking about the Word. We might even go to a church, you know, like if if our schedule, you know, lingered to where we were somewhere we could get to a church, we would go. Why? Because Because we love that. That is our life. That is our life. You know, when somebody asks you what you're doing, and I've struggled with this for years, you know, well, what are you up to? Well, church. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, because they hate church. And so I've struggled with this answer for years. You know, God, you know, I tell them church, and they just don't get it. And it seems kind of like, oh, you're, you know. And so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is there a better way to answer that? He said, yeah, tell them you're about kingdom business. Yeah, what do you what have you been up to? Oh, I've been, I'm, I'm about kingdom business. What does that mean? That means I'm growing the kingdom of God. I'm busy growing the kingdom of God. Well, how are you doing that? Well, I'm praying. I'm going to church and learning how to be a witness. I'm going, you know, I go to church and I get built up and I learn how to minister. You know, things like that. Kingdom business. So you don't have to have this constant issue all the time. Well, what, well, well okay, but what's flesh and what's spirit? I'm so glad you asked. Let's read verse 18, 19, and 20. All right, verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, meaning they're obvious. It means they're, they're active. Yep. Which, these things are active. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Oh, boy. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, let me, let's ask this. First, verse 19, it says, now the works. What is this word works? The business of the flesh. The employment of the flesh. The employment of the flesh. Do you know that the devil employs your body to do evil works? That's what sin is. It's when the devil employs you to do evil works with your body. That's works. Uh, It means that which um, anyone is occupied. You're occupied with these things. These things occupy your money. They occupy your time. They occupy your resources. They occupy your mind. They occupy your thinking. These, this is what the works are. All right. Well, a lot of times we think we know what these words mean. And this some of where, these words, I'm sure most of us don't know what they mean. 
This is where you need to buckle your seatbelt and tie down your wigs. We're going to talk about these definitions. At the end of this teaching, we are going to give you a printout with all of these definitions, but I don't want to give it to you while we're talking about it because I don't want you to miss what the Spirit might say because you're cheating and looking ahead. Okay? We wouldn't do that. Yes, you would. <laughs> yes, you would. All right. So here we go. Are we ready? Sure. The first one is adultery. Adultery. Now, most people think adultery is a married person having sex with somebody that they're not married to. But most people think. You know that you can be unmarried and, co and commit adultery. Uh, what? What? Yeah, come on. Adultery. Now, this is the Greek definition. He was using Greek language. So we went to the Greek and we got these definitions. So if you look this up on the Webster's Modern Day Dictionary, you may not get this definition because Paul was not using, nor the Holy Ghost was using today's modern English. All right, are we ready? All right, adultery is unfaithfulness in, unfaithfulness in marriage. Well, we said that. Now, hold on. That occurs when one of the marriage partners voluntarily engages in intimate activity. Intimate activity doesn't have to be sexual. It, there's, there's a level of intimacy between a husband and a wife that you should not have this mental and emotional and, you know, that goes beyond sex. Uh, so let me read this again. Unfaithfulness in marriage that occurs when one of the marriage partners voluntarily engages in intimacy um, an intimate activity with a person other than the marriage partner. Both parties are viewed as guilty of as being, or both parties are viewed as guilty of adultery. Let me explain what that means. If I go out and I'm intimate with somebody other than Pastor Mike, myself and the person that I'm intimate with are guilty of adultery. Not just you. Not just me. Or not just the other person. Not just the other person. Now, let me be very clear. Two single people get together. Are you guilty of being intimate with somebody that's not your spouse? Absolutely. So single, people, so single people can commit adultery. Oh, yeah, I know, right? All right. This word is also a Hebrew idiom, which means it's a term of phrase that means something different than if you actually looked up the actual word. This word is used... For those who at a, whim, at a woman's solicitation are drawn away into idolatry. For example. In other words, worshiping other gods. Right. Worshiping other gods or, for example, eating the things sacrificed to idols. Now, this in the Hebrew culture, they always referred to a woman as being an adulterer. But how much do you know? Men can solicit women into idol worship. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is also a metaphor that describes unfaithfulness to God or ungodliness. So if you are unfaithful to God, you might be you're, you are guilty of adultery. Uh, Jesus taught that adultery has its origins in lust, lusting after whatever it is that's causing you to be unfaithful, unfaithful. All right, so that addiction, that definition wasn't too hard. Well, now, now. If you'll notice in the first definition, you said unfaithfulness in the marriage, right? And then in the last definition, you said unfaithfulness to God. Correct. Well, how do you do unfaithfulness to God? It's not like a, it's not like a marriage thing, right? No, but we are married to Christ. 
When you come into Christ, Christ becomes your, you become the bride of Christ. Men and women become the bride of Christ. You got to get past the whole gender thing. It's not weird. It's talking about the type of relationship. You have a marriage type relationship with Christ. And therefore, if you go out cheating on your relationship with Christ by worshiping other gods, it's adultery. Okay. That's what it means. And also, when you, when you get married, you go into covenant with that person. That's right. It's a marriage covenant. And when you become an adulterer, you break that covenant. That's right. So when you break the covenant that you have with God, you're becoming unfaithful with him. That's right. When you break the word. When the word tells you, do this, don't do that, and you, you do or don't do those things, then you, that... You are technically being an adulterer yep. with God. Yep. Or... In fact, we Against see. God. We, in fact, we see this in the prophets, especially Jeremiah. All through the book of Jeremiah, he calls the Israelites whores and an adulterers. <laughs> and adulterers, he does. he does. All right, are you buckled in? I hope so. Fornication. You ever heard anybody say, "Well, God doesn't address homosexuality in the Bible. God doesn't address, you know, lesbianism or LGBT or any of that in the Bible." Oh boy. Fornication, various acts of sexual immorality, especially being a harlot or a whore, rather male or female. Um, as in, let me, let me, here's the, especially being a, a harlot or a whore, um, to be detailed to prostitute one's body for the lust of another. Okay. One who, yields, one who yields themselves, male or female, to the defilement for the sake of gain or lust. What does that mean? That means that you will allow yourself to sin because you lust for the approval of someone else, or you allow yourself to sin because you lust for someone else. Or money. Or money. You might, this is a problem amongst women and men, they will prostitute themselves for a place to live. Which is another or way of food. getting money. You know, Drugs. A place to live and money are pretty much the same thing. Yep, yep, for your basic needs. You'll sell yourself for basic needs. And it's not always sex. You don't have to sell yourself always for sex. That is the, prom, the, the predominant way but that's not the only way um next definition illicit intercourse uh, which means to give oneself to unlawful sexual intercourse specifically homosexuality including bisexualism lesbianism intercourse with animals or things sexual intercourse with close relatives sexual intercourse with divorced men or women a lot of people will say, I'm not married anymore, so I can have all the sex I want. It's fornication. Now, I want you to know that this is not me and Robbie's definition. No. We did not make this up in any way, shape, or form. This is straight out of the Thayer's definition Thayer's and for the word and... that is used here for fornication. And the yep. word, the Greek, or the Greek word is, is pornesia. Which is where we get our word pornography from. Metaphorically, this word, which means assembling, uh, some, you know, to, it, it can also mean metaphorically to be given to idolatry, the worship of idols. 
as incurred by eating uh, sacrifices offered to idols. Believe it or not, this is super common, not so much here, uh, but in other countries, they, when they sacrifice their animals, they sacrifice them to their gods. That's, and you eat that meat, that's uh, idolatry. In fact, if you see, and, and you can find this today, if you see uh, on a label that meat. meat is hala meat, this, it's H-A-L-A, isn't it? I think so. Hala meat, that means that that meat, when, it, when that animal was killed and that meat was processed, the whole time that that was being done, prayers, Muslim prayers, were being prayed over that meat, and that meat was being sacrificed to Allah. And they, and did, that means and that they the Muslim, did it in a specific ritual manner as yes. well. Yes, and that means that that meat is acceptable for the Muslims to eat because it's been sacrificed to their God. Yep. That's what halal meat is, and you can find it here in the U.S. Yep, you can find it in the grocery store. Yep. In fact, for a season, I don't know if they still have it for a season, I know Subway was offering halal meat. For a season they were. I don't know if they still are, but at one point they were. Um, huh? Yeah. Look so at that. I bet you might find some. Um, uh, to permit, now check this one out. It also means to permit oneself to be drawn into idolatry. If you allow yourself to be drawn in to worshiping false gods, that's fornication. Uh, to indulge unlawful in unlawful lust of sex or the practice of idolatry. I'm telling you what, I mean, ish, idolatry's got some big, got a lot of stuff included to it. All right, so that's idolatry, uh, that's uh, uh, adultery and fornication. and fornication. All right, now this one, I, saw, I told the guys last night, I said, when we get into this, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, I'm concerned that people are going to start sliding down in their chairs. Don't start sliding down. Just stay buckled up so we don't know. If, if, if you, something hits your category, just repent. Just repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Make the adjustment in your heart. Make the adjustment in your behavior. It'll be all right. All right. The next one, uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Uh, it means to, if you are physically unclean, not bathing, not showering, not keeping yourself clean, that is uncleanness. Now, that doesn't mean you go to work. You work a hard, manual, physical job that you get dirty in, and, and, there, and now you're, you're guilty of uncleanness. No. Well, you would be guilty of uncleanness if you go home. Now, sometimes we understand you're so tired you flop in the bed. We get that. But you make it a habit to not shower and bathe and get that dirt off of you. That would be the sin of uncleanness. Okay? Uh it also means to be unclean in a moral sense. To be unclean in a moral sense. This is somebody that has um, the, impuri the, uh, the impurity of lustfulness. In other words, your mind is full of lust. Lustful thoughts. Lustful thoughts. Um, lustful images. Lustful images. Uh, what is what, lustful? That means that you're so desire. You're consumed with the desire. Most of the time, lust is associated with sex. But you can lust after food. You can lust after money. You can lust after attention, even unsexual attention. Um, if it's if it's to the point of um, just being full of that lust, then you're in uncleanness. Now, now, correct me. You, you used to used to talk about 
how uh, kids after they got to a certain age they could they they'd seen so much pornography. Oh yeah, pornographic yeah, 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 yeah. Did, like, Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. So I read a book, oh, in the early 2000s. So it was, this book was like hit the top of the charts at the early 2000s. So 20 plus, so 20 years ago, 23 years ago. Um, and uh, they had done a study. And at that point in time, at the writing of that book, um, the average 13-year-old teenager, male or female, had caught enough glimpses of uh, pornographic images, pornographic language, things like that, that at the age of 13, they could run a full-length pornographic movie in their mind at the age of 13. Now, that was 20-something years ago. Imagine what it's like now. I don't even want to. If your mind is consumed with that type of stuff, that's uncleanness. And they, they they said that the, these images would be only just a flash, yeah, just, just a couple just of seconds, a flash of it. Just and a it flash would burn it. itself into the brain. Yeah, because the, the brain would just because it. of the uh, uh, the pleasure receptors in the brain, it 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 yep. doesn't let it go. Mm-mm. It's just there. Um, the the next uh, to be unclean in a moral sense means a person that is given to wildly extravagant and unusually grossly self indulgent worth. worth Wasteful living. Let me say that again. Luxurious, prolific. I said that word wrong. Yeah, uh, profligate. No, uh, that, that's P-R-O-F- close, but that's not it. It's P R O F L I G A T E. Profligate. Yes, living. Pro-fil-gate. Here's the definition. It's a yeah, that person. Sounds right. It's and again, you're going to yeah. get copies of this. This is a person given to widely extravagant, wildly extravagant and unusual. I'm sorry. Let me let me get this. Hold on. Let me get this definition. This is a person given to wildly extravagant and usually, and usually gross, self-indulgent wasteful living this is somebody that's living over the top everything that they do is extravagant everything that they do is just over the top everything that they do is just full of self-indulgence just it's just it's an excess in every area of life this is uncleanness um uncleanness is to have impure motives you're you're making it on the front side. You're making it look like you're you've got somebody at your you know you've got. Let's say I'm talking to Brianna and I'm like Brianna, let's you know let's do da 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 and and I'm like and I'm making it sound like it's for her best interest, but on the inside I'm wanting her to do something to benefit me. That's impure motives. That's un, that's the sin of uncleanness. That's the sin of uncleanness. All right, lascivious. Oh my goodness. This is, again, unbridled lust. Now, here's our definition of lust. Uncontrolled, unconstrained feeling or desire, often relating to, to sexual activity. All right, so lasciviousness deals with uncontrolled and unrestrained sexual activity. Let me help you out. This includes making out. This includes getting to base one, two, and three. This includes all the stuff that comes before intercourse. 
That's all included. Guess what? That is lasciviousness. That's if you've engaged class. in these things, you have committed the sin of lasciviousness. Oh, my goodness. Lasciviousness. Excess. The amount of something that is more than necessary, permitted, or desirable. Now, does this mean that God doesn't want you to have nice things? No. That's permitted and that's desirable. But at the same time, do you need 365 cars? One for every day of the year. That might be considered excess. Come on. That might be considered excess. Especially if you keep them all tied up in a garage and nobody gets to see them. That's excess. You see what I'm saying? Excess. You have excess. I know people. Listen, I know people that have four and five refrigerators. There's only them and maybe one other person in their house, and they've got four or five refrigerators that are stacked, stocked to the T every day of the year. How much do you know? That's excess. Excess. Or preparation. Well, they'll call, <laughs> they'll call it preparation, but come on, they're excess. It's not necessary to do that. Come on. Come on. Just because you call it something else doesn't make it okay. Oh, that was a Holy Ghost statement. Just because you call it something else doesn't make it okay. Because these are God's definitions. These aren't our definitions. These are God's definitions. All right. Licentiousness. Lasciviousness includes licentiousness. What in the world is licentiousness? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's the act of being licentious. That's helpful. That is so helpful. That was helpful, wasn't it? It's lacking legal or moral restraint. Especially disregarding sexual restraints, marked by disregard for strict rules of correctness. This would be like if you're out on a date with a girl and she says no, and you say yes, I don't care what you say, that would fall right into this. Now, but at the same time, at the same time, licentiousness would be you're out at dinner and uh, you decide, well, I just don't want to pay my bill, and the waiter's not paying attention, and the cashier's not there, so I'm going to slip out the door. I'm going to dine and dash. Lascivious, or, uh, lasciviousness. Licentiousness? Yeah, licentian. That's licentian. You doing the act of licentian is lasciviousness. Say that five times fast. Mm. All right. It's the act of being, um, yeah, honey, do you take that word? Thank you. Promiscuous. Un- and unprincipled in sexual manners. Come on. Or matters. Matters. Sorry. It means being, being unprincipled means you don't have any limits. That's what it means. You'll, do, you'll get with anybody. You'll do anything with anybody. Whatever they want, that's what you'll do. I know, right? Li- this front row is looking at me like, Pastor, I'm concerned. <laughs> Debauchery. Debauchery. Oh. That's an extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures and especially sexual pleasures, behavior involving sex, drugs, alcohol, etc., that is often considered immoral. All right. So if you are involved, if your behavior involves sex, drugs, and alcohol, you are guilty of lasciviousness. Or debauchery. Which is debauchery. All right, so obviously lasciviousness has a lot to do with sexual immorality. This next one has to do with, is called, this next definition is wantingness. 
Wantonness. Wantonness, W-A-N-T-O-N-N-E-S-S. It's the act of taking deliberate and unprovoked cruel or violent action. What in the world, Pastor? Which I had no idea that was the definition of that until today. <laughs> this would be you taking, so if you take deliberate, unprovoked, cool, cruel and violent action towards somebody, that is lasciviousness. Especially when it comes to sexual matters, which means that, that whole bondage sexual experience, lasciviousness. That dominance matrix of sexual whatever, lasciviousness. Controlling somebody else in a sexual manner or a sexual way. Or, here's this one, husbands and wives. Using sex to control the behavior of your spouse. Saying, oh, you do that, you're not getting any. Oh, you do that, you're sleeping on the couch. Guess what? That's lasciviousness. That's being cruel and unmannerly to them. That's by the Holy Ghost, by the way. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if this was such... I'm quite sure that this was a big deal for this current young generation. But I remember in my generation, especially in the younger years, the teenagers and the adult years, it was a big deal to try to be outrageous. To be outrageous. To shock people. Oh, you know, that was when the Mohawks became something when I was a kid, and they'd want to do their big Mohawks and spike it up in rainbow color for shock effect, for being outrageous, getting tattoos to be outrageous. I saw a thing today. I even, I even took a screenshot of it because I just wanted to have a conversation with somebody about it. This guy down in Florida, he's a criminal, guy down in Florida, he has tattooed his face. Literally, across his face right here, it says the Joker. It's got the Batman symbol right here. His, he's got big tattoos. He's got tattoos making the big Joker smile out to here. He's got weird stuff on his eye. He's got a cross here. He's got a teardrop here. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mock. I mean, it's a makeup of the Joker. He dyes his hair green. Well, guess what? This guy is suing the makers of Grand Theft Auto 6 because they supposedly used his likeness. I thought if anybody's going to sue, it's the maker of the Joker. But come on. Listen. How much you know he's trying to be outrageous? This is the sin. He is taking lasciviousness to a whole new level. All right. Outrageous is the act of being shocking or excessive. Here's some synonyms for this word outrageous. These all fall under um, lasciviousness. To purposely be shocking, disgraceful, scandalous. Help me with that one, honey. Uh, Atrocious. Atrocious. Appalling, abhorrent, monstrous. Heinous. 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 Okay, that's probably the right way to say it. Wicked, abominable. Terrible, uh, horrible, horrid, horrendous, dreadful, hideous, foul, nauseating, sickening, vile, villainous, nasty, ghastly, odious, loathsome, shameful, infamous, nefarious, uh, inquietous. I think that's the right word. Yep, inquietous. Unspeakable, intolerable, insufferable, insupportable. Unendurable, unbearable, impossible, exasperating, offensive, maddening, 
distressing, immoderate, exorbitant, and unreasonable. If you are purposely being offensive, you are guilty of lasciviousness. Come on. Maybe if you take it to extreme outrageousness, but yeah. Come on. If you're being purposely offensive. I didn't say if you, if you accidentally offend somebody. I mean you purposely set out to offend somebody. That is the sin of lasciviousness. I would agree with that. Uh, another definition of lasciviousness is shamelessness. If you show, if you are showing or have a lack of shame for wrongdoing, if you do wrong and you're like, it don't matter, I can do whatever I want, that's shamelessness, that's lasciviousness. People that walk around and go, I ain't got no shame, that's lascivious. That's lascivious. Insolence. If you are rude and disre- if you have rude and disrespectful behavior. Oh, it just got quiet in this Pentecostal house. If you are purposely rude and disrespectful, you are guilty of lasciviousness. Now, this is, now these things are on purpose. You need to understand, these things are on purpose. If you are brutal, merciless, inhumane, lewd, now this one will get you. Body. Body, which means you have, humorle- you have humorous. Um, and humorously you're, indecent. You're humorously indecent. In other words, you like to tell dirty jokes. You like to get involved in dirty jokes. That's lasciviousness. Um, if you're obscene, that's lasciviousness. Oh, boy, we got to lasciviousness and the whole atmosphere changed. Whoo, goodness. Thank, everybody say this. Say, thank God. Thank God. We are done with lasciviousness. We are done with lasciviousness. Ooh, man, that was a rough one. I knew it was going to be. All right, idolatry. We've talked a lot about this one, but we'll just run these definitions real quick. It's the worship of false gods. Uh, many things can actually be a false god, including self. Many people worship self, and that is idolatry. Um, how do you know if you're in idolatry? Are you giving service or ministry for hire to that thing? In other words, can that thing, can that thing be, can you, can that thing say, I've hired them to serve me or to be a minister to me? In other words, has has that thing paid you in some way with you know pleasure or you know, how much you know? Um, gamblers uh, get paid to gamble, right? That's, they've been that they've been hired by the by this by that desire to win to to gamble. You've been hired by alcohol to get that buzz. You've been hired by by drugs to get that buzz. That's how you know that you're serving that thing. Um, or you offer gifts to it: your time, your money, your attention, or yourself. Now, this is not just like, oh, I went to the store and I bought groceries. My groceries are an idol. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it, 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 this is something that consumes an excessive part of your time, your money, yourself. That's what we're talking about. Here's another thing that's idolatry is extreme greed for wealth or material gain. That is the worship of mammon. Mammon is wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. Are you motivated by, is every, is every decision you make motivated by money? That if it's about the gain of money, that's idolatry of money. All right. Witchcraft. This is the one that gets a lot of people. Witchcraft. The use and or the administering of drugs. It's Drug not, dealers? It's not witchcraft. medicine. 
Yeah, this is not medicine. This is not pharmacies. This is this is illicit drugs, illegal, and honestly, or using pharmaceuticals or using, improperly. Yeah, or using pharmaceuticals for the purpose of controlling and getting high. Um, if you uh, operate with poisoning, so poisoning is a definition of witchcraft. You can poison people with drugs. You can poison people with alcohol. If you're out there going, hey, get high, hey, get one more drink, you're pushing that high on somebody, you're poisoning them. You can also poison people with your language, with manipulation, with slander, with gossip. Those are all types of poisoning. And poison, poison is, a, is another way of getting high as well. Right. Like the poison mushrooms, they'll get you high. Right. They might kill you too, but they will, they will get you high. Yeah, Miss Stacy. Yeah, witchcraft, the use and or the administering of drugs. The use and or administering. Because there are drug dealers that don't actually get high. They don't use their product. They just use it. They're, they're just pushing their drugs to get control over people. That's witchcraft. That is witchcraft. Uh, poisoning, sorcery, and, mar and uh, magical arts, which are often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. So people that actually cast spells, those things are real. They do work. That, that is witchcraft. And a met metaphorically, anything um, that, metaphorically, the deceptions and seditions of idolatry. Seductions of Or seductions idolatry. of idolatry. idolatry. In other words, now, if you are worshiping self and you manipulate people to, so that they will give you what you want to satisfy self, that is witchcraft. That is witchcraft. That is the deception. That's the deception seduction. and the seductions. So anything that you, if you're lying to get your way, that's witchcraft. Anything that causes deceptions and seditions. All right. Hatred. This is enmity. This is, this is the same thing that God, you know, remember oh, back there in Genesis, God said uh, that he was going to put enmity between Satan's seeds and God's seed. This is, this is enmity. Enmity is the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. And a lot of people think this one isn't a big deal, but Jesus said he that hates his brother might as well have committed murder. That's right. That's right. So hatred is kind of a big deal. All right, variants. Variants. Variance is contention or a heated disagreement. This is difference than hatred. You can have hatred for somebody and not actually be contentious with them. You can hate somebody and just avoid them. But if you are actually engaged a in a... heated disagreement. Huh? He wanted to know the, the definition. Oh, yeah, a heated disagreement. If you are actually in a heated disagreement with somebody, you're in variance with them. Um, this is when you make an assertion, especially one maintained in an argument. Now, this is, Michael and I are not at variance with each other in, in any way, shape, or form on this, but it is a good example. We have a, it's a fun, it's a fun debate that oh, we, we like to do. we have a disagreement about. Yeah, it's a fun thing that we like <laughs> to do when clouds. we're driving. He says fog is a mist that comes up. I say fog is a low-lying cloud that comes down. Oh, nope. 
No, no. <laughs> I told him I, he, I, I told him, I said, I think I won that on the last fire. And he said, this is what he said, because I used it just the other day. And he said, do you have it on recording? <laughs> Actually, it might be recorded. <laughs> In either case, um, but if, if he and I wanted to be contentious and fighting and just, if, one, if both of us wanted to be dogmatic and unmovable, that would be a variance. And get angry about it. Yeah, yeah. if we got angry, but we laugh about it, we joke about it, we're playing. We honestly know the right answer. <laughs> That's right. <We> did. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Anyways. Obviously, we are not contentious. Uh, Variance is if you are at strife, which is anger, which is an angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues, over basic, basic things. How many of you know Christians get into strife over basic fundamental issues? There's been church splits over the basic fundamental issue of what color the carpet should be. What kind of pews to get? Or whether the toilet sheet, sh- seat should be up or down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the toilet, did the, does the toilet paper roll to the front or to the back? Come on. Strife. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, wrangling. This is the engagement in a long, complicated dispute or argument. Just neither side is willing to give. Um, and that, that gives us the last definition. Basically, it's an unwillingness to surrender. If you are in a situation and you are unwilling to surrender, you are in the, the act or the work of variance. All right. Emotions. Well, it's putting your own wants and needs above someone else. So, yes. E- or emulations. I'm sorry, emotions. Emulations. And- Emulations, okay. This is, this is an effort to match or, sur- or surpass a person or achievement tim- typically by intimidation. Imitation. Tim- imitation. Blah, 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 blah. I think you better run that definition. <laughs> right? I think you better run that definition. An effort to match or surpass a person or achievement typically by imitation. A, a contentious rivalry. A fierceness of indignation, an intense, aggressive anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. There you go. This is, yeah, an intent. Now, listen, think about that one. An intense aggressiveness, uh, an, an intense, aggressive anger, a high annoyance provoked by what is perceived as an unfair treatment. Have you ever perceived somebody treated you unfairly and you just got angry? You just got absolutely mad. There you go. Oh, yeah. Emulations. All right, wrath. Here we go. Okay, wrath. To have boiling anger, possibly to the point of killing. Wrath is, wrath is something. Ooh, wrath is bad. Wrath is um, somebody that beats their spouse or their children. That is the act of wrath. That is the... Um, Somebody that uh, commits uh, road rage, that is the act of wrath. Absolutely. All right. Now, we looked at variance, and one of the definitions of variance was strife. But he uses... He didn't finish the second definition on wrath. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, we can't miss that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the second definition on wrath... So the first one was to have boiling anger. The second one is inflaming wine. 
which either drives the drinker mad or kills him with its strength. So if you are in, if you are a partaker of inflaming wine or wine that produces drunkenness, now it doesn't mean that you take the wine to the point of drunkenness. It just says if you are taking part in inflaming wine, which is wine that will produce a drunken state. Well, a maddened state anyway. Um, right. Uh, that is that is wrath. Well, got quiet in this house. All right. Strife. As I was saying, in, in the definition of variance, the, that uses the word strife. So when he uses the word strife here, is he talking about the same thing? He's actually not. I, Michael and I were shocked at this definition. All right. Strife. Uh, to take part actively and energetically in activities to put oneself and desires first. You are actively and aggressively trying to get your desires and wants elected. This definition actually, the first part of this definition actually refers specifically to someone that is working for, that is, that is for striving for political office. Yep. So if you are in strife, you are running for the political office of your opinion. That's what this word means. The Thayer's definition says electioneering or intriguing for office. Yep. And then under the New this, Testament. This is the kind of like the, th the mud-throwing type of electioneering, you know? Yeah. yeah. And in the New Testament, it talks about um, courting uh, distinctions, which basically, you, basically you're, the person that is in strife, they're trying to court you to their side and court you away from somebody else's point of view. This is, this is very different than what we think of when we think of strife. All right. Seditions. Tag, you're up. The act of causing division or dissension. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority. Disagreement that leads to discord. All right. Heresies. The act of taking or capturing, such as storming a city for one's own purpose, such as the word of God. To seditions, yeah. Yep. The act of causing division or dissension. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority. Or disagreement that leads to discord. Oh, and just so you know, everyone's going to get handouts of this. So. Yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. Write your notes. That's yeah. good. We're almost done. Uh, all right. Yep. Heresies. The act of taking or capturing for one's own purpose, such as the word of God. This is the example of a person following their own tenets that creates division between them and God. The act of... Often, this act often also creates division between people and the church. So basically what heresy is, is heresy is when somebody makes a decision for themselves what the word of God is or what their tenets should be, whether it agrees with the word or not. This is where people just kind of make the word do work for what they want. That makes somebody a heresy, puts somebody in the position of heresy. All right. All right. In beings. Having ill will towards another person. Well, you wouldn't think that would have anything to do with envyings. <clears throat> but the p second part of that is being prompted by envy. Being consumed with uh, thoughts and feelings of discontentment 
or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or blessedness. Okay. So when you get into envying, you become consumed with feelings and thoughts of contention toward that person because of what they have. Yep. That's what it is. You you, you become get, you, you, you because of what they have. You 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 get ill will or ill feeling towards that right. person. Right. You get you get upset with them. All right. Just four more, three more to go. Murderers or murders. The act of the well, un- murderers, people that do these behaviors. The act of the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being. This includes laying waste to a person's reputation, career, family, or life through gossip, tailbearing, and the like. That's right. It's hard to hard to believe that, but you know Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you ought to be you're the same you're, as a murderer. You're, you're guilty of murder. So if 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 that's the case, then this definition lands right on the nose. Yeah. All right, drunkenness. Now, most people think that you have to reach a certain level of intoxication to qualify as drunkenness. However, this definition, this word drunkenness literally means to be under the influence of an intoxicant. At what level? If you're under the influence, um, specifically, it means intoxication. You know, they've got those signs out there that say buzz driving is drink driving. Well, buzzed Christianity is drunk Christianity. I've said that before. Um, you know, come on. All right, revelings. All right, revelings. To take part in carousing, generally of feasts and drinking parties that are protracted till late at night and indulge in revelry or debauchery. All right. And I, the like. I, I failed to type this part in, but I, I do want to give you this definition. A, no, a nocturnal and riotous procession of half-drunken and, oh, my goodness. Frolicsome. Frolicsome followers. Fellows. Or fellows. I'm sorry. Who, who after, after supper parade through the streets with torches and music in honor of Bacchus, which is a Greek god of wine, or some other deity, and sing and play before Houses of male and female friends, hence used generally of feasts and drinking parties that are protracted till late at night and indulge in revel. I just took the I just took the last part of that definition. But notice that they're drinking, they're partying, they're being riotous, and they're doing it in worship to God. Well, I'm not worried. Well, Pastor, I'm going to my I'm going to my block party and I'm not worshiping God. No, honey, if you're taking part in those behaviors, you're worshiping. You may not think you're worshiping, but the spirits think you're worshiping. Oh, let me say that again. You may not think that you're worshiping, but if you're taking part in these sins, this is pagan worship. This is how the pagans worship their gods. And so when you take part in that type of behavior, those spirits believe that you are worshiping them and you open your life out to these uh, you open your life up to these false gods which are demons. Well, I just want to go out in the world and see what it's all about. I want to check out the nightclubs and all this and that. Um listen, <laughs> you're in revelings. You're in revelings. All right. Notice it says and the like anything that we did not list but could be put into one of these categories 
counts as the work of the flesh. Now, let's try to turn this to a good note. Now, if you are involved in any of these things, now, let me help you. If, you've, if you have any of these things in your past and you think, well, I've done that and I haven't, I don't do it anymore, but I haven't repented, repent and continue to not do it anymore and you're okay. If you're actively doing, any, actively doing these things on a repetitive level, you need to repent and stop. Because let's look at what the rest of this, the rest of this verse says in verse 21. He says, and, uh, he says, and such like of which I tell you, uh, of which I of which I tell you before. In other words, he said this multiple times before in his other letters. He says, as I have told you in time past, um, that they which do such things. In other words, if this is your habitual habit, you do these things continually. Uh, you shall not, and they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your, and he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the people out there in the world. They already know they're headed to hell. It's the people in the church that think they're headed to heaven and they're actually headed to hell, and he's trying to get their attention. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, No, he said, listen, he said, Christian, believer of Christ, if this long list, if you're involved in any of this stuff, if this stuff, if we can say, well, this is a snapshot of your habitual lifestyle, uh, you're not entering the kingdom. You're not going in. So let's turn this to a good note before we get you out of here. Y'all got just a few minutes, and we'll get you out of here on a good note. Then we only got like five more verses, and we're done with the chapter. Well, we're going to stop right here. Or we're going to finish these up. That sounds better. Let's let's, let's read verse 22. Well, let's just read to the end of the chapter. All right. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith. Or faithfulness. Meekness, temperance, self-control, against such there is no law. Glory to God. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay. So this word he said, but the fruit of the Spirit. Notice he said the work of the flesh, and now he says the fruit of the Spirit. I love that the, the Holy Spirit used the fruit here because the fruit, what is this definition? Well, the definition literally means the fruit. The fruit of a tree or the fruit of the vine or the fruit of the field. How many of you know Jesus said he is the vine? We are the fruit. Um, he said the fruit of one's loins, his progeny, or his... Um, Posterity. Posterity. In other words, he said, he said, the fruit of the Spirit. If you've got my Spirit, then you've got this in you. That's what he was saying. He said, these things are in you. He says, that which originates and comes from something. The fruit. How much you know? These, these nine things, they originate with Christ. They come from Christ. They come from the Father. They come from the Father. Um, they're, in a re, they're a result of being in Christ. Um, it's a work, an act, or a deed. The, these things produce works in us. They produce acts in us. They're deeds in us, behaviors in us. What are these fruits? Well, they're love, joy, peace, patience. Uh, Long-suffering. Uh, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. So what are these definitions? These definitions are good definitions. You're going to copy this, too. 
Yeah, you, you need these definitions. These definitions make, we'll leave on a good note with these definitions. All right? So, the first, the first thing that God placed in you when you became born again is he put agape in you. It's in there. Well, I just don't, I just, I, Pastor, I just struggle to love people. Well, that's because you're trying to love from up here instead of trying to love from your spirit. No, agape is in you. This is brotherly love, affection, goodwill, and benevolence. This is the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. We could say, uh, so, actually I have it on here, God is love. So we could say that this is God in our hearts. True. We could literally say, this is God in our heart, God in our spirit. Well, I just, I just can't love. No, you can't because you got God. And God is love. Oh. Oh, kicking over my plan, the plants. All right. Joy. There we go. Are you ready for joy? Yes. You got your ice cubes picked up? All right. Good job. Gladness. Joy received from the Spirit. God's joy or gladness. Cheerfulness that is calm. Delight. To be well. To thrive. So joy doesn't mean you're all the time, oh, giddy, giddy, giddy. That's not what it means. It means that you just have a calmness on the inside. You have, no matter what pressure you're under, you still thrive. No matter what's going on, it's well with you. It means you're always happy and content with whatever life throws yeah, at you. You've, just, you've got God's joy or God's gladness on the inside all the time. When people get distressed and disheveled, I say, Calm, hold, hold, hold on. What's down on the inside? Joy. What do you feel? They'll say, well, there's just peace in there. What else is in there? You get them to connect to their, you get, you get people to connect to their spirit. Like right there. Connect to your spirit. Ask your spirit. See, instantly, I wish I had a camera on our face. I said, connect to your spirit. Because you don't Connect to your spirit. (laughs) Instantly. Come on. Connect to your spirit, Jackie. No, that's fake. (laughs) Come on. Connect to your spirit. (laughs) All right. Just look at me. Just chill. See, she's already connected. She can't even calm down. See, when you're constantly connected to your spirit, there's joy. It's, why? The spirit never gets disheveled, dismayed, disgruntled, upset. Why? The, because your spirit always knows you've got the victory. And you have the confidence. You've always got the victory. And, of course, right along with joy is going to come peace. That's right. Come which on. Which is a state of nat- nat- national. Yes. Okay. A state of national tranquility. Exempt from the rage and havoc of war. How much do you know our nation is heaven? Amen. We may live on the earth, but we are residents to the nation of heaven. And, and therefore, we, though we're on the earth, we are free and we, from and, the effects of havoc and war. And because we're, uh, we're residents of heaven, we have security, safety, prosperity, uh, intense happiness or felicity. That's what intense happiness is. Uh, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, whatever that is. No matter where you're at. Remember Paul said, I, man, I've had it good and I've had it bad. I've been dressed. I've been naked. I've been fed. I've been, I've been hungry. And in all my states, I've learned to be content. What did he learn to be? He learned to be at peace. 
No matter what's coming. Listen, you could be driving down the, down the, down the road in your faith mobile, and that faith mobile begin to talk to you. Oh, I'm knocking and I'm a clunking and I'm going to quit any minute now. And you, can, you have two choices. You can get in fear or you can check with your spirit and go, I'm at peace. Car, you ain't going to quit. I done spoke to you. I done told you you're going to go. You're going to get me to where we're going, and you're going to get me to where we're going, and I'm praising God. Well, what if I, what if I just up and quit? Well, you won't because I done commanded you to. Keep going. Come on. And even if, you know, I mean, and, well, well, Pastor, what if he does quit? Well, then praise God because God's got provision on this way for you. He's already seen the situation ahead. I love Brother Randy. He used to, he, he, he still does from time to time, not as much as he used to. But especially when he was in Bible school and he first got, uh, you know, first got into Bible school and was freshly married and all that. His morning prayer was, Lord, if I do anything stupid today, have a provision for me. And he said there were plenty of times he did stupid things and the Lord always had provision for him. Always. I think that's a good prayer for us to have. Lord, if I do anything stupid today, just go ahead and have provision for me. Come on. That's peace. That's the peace of God. Oh, long-suffering. Oh, wait, we missed one. Yeah, you missed quietness. We missed quietness. That would be easy for you to miss. <laughs> listen. Listen. When you have the peace of God, you have quietness on the inside. What does that mean? That means you can quiet. When your mind is running a 1,000 miles a minute, you can say, mind, shut up. Mind, get in line with the spirit. My spirit is quiet, therefore, mind, I command you to be quiet. Listen, there's some, this is big for ladies. Ladies, you have, I know, I, I've been there. How many, have you ever had a problem laying down at night and your mind just won't quit? Your mind just won't shut up? Just say, Father, I have the peace of God. Father, I thank you that my mind is quiet. In fact, mind, I command you to get quiet and to get in agreement with my spirit. I've learned to do this. I've learned to quiet my mind. Learn to quiet. In fact, and in fact, if you'll learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear from God a lot more. Believe it or not. Well, well, okay. Well, well, Lord, is it all right if I hold off on that? All right, let's keep going. We're just. I'm gonna save that for the end. Long suffering or patience. Ooh, come on. So that's endurance. Come on. I just don't have patience to put up with these kids anymore. Uh, are you a child of God? Then you have endurance. I don't, have, I don't have patience for my in-laws anymore. Uh, endurance. Come on. Keep going. Consistency. The quality of being faithful and dependable. I just can't be a doer of the word. I just, can't be, I just cannot be continuous in it. He's given you the ability to be long-suffering and being a doer of the word. Steadfastness. Come on, that goes right along with it. Yep. The ability, all those times that you see in the Word, stand fast, stand fast. And we saw that at the beginning of this chapter, stand fast. God put the ability to stand fast in you when He gave you the fruit of long suffering. Perseverance. Come on. Come on, He gave you the ability to persevere. To co- Listen, people stay in the storm as long as they want to. The long, you know, in other words, Oh, I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of fear. This problem's the longer you carry on about it, the longer you're going to stay in there. But no matter how long you choose to stay in there, God's given you the ability to persevere through that storm and to come out the other side. Come out the other side. All right, forbearance. Come on, that's your ability to lift somebody up, to push somebody through, to come over, to overcome a situation. Slowness in avenging wrongs. 
How much do you know if you've got patience, you are slow to wrath? You don't have to just jump in there. I'm going to defend myself. Let Jesus do it. Come on. Is he, tell, let me, I assure you, he is a much better avenger than, than yourself or that guy on the big screen. Come on. You know, all those avenger people. All right. All right come this on. one's the tough one. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. That ability is in you. The ability, the capacity to accept and tolerate delay, trouble, and suffering without getting upset and angry. That ability is in you. Gentleness. That's moral goodness, integrity, uh, benignity which is kindness or tolerance towards others, kindness, mild, usefulness, moral excellence. Come on. We as Christians should have a level of moral excellence. Why? Because it's in our spirit. Goodness. This is uprightness of heart and and life. This is kindness. This is virtue. Uh, This is um, being a person of, of, of generous or... Be of doing good, you're very generous. You're a good. You're good at doing good. Um, of good nature, you're honorable. If you're honorable, that's goodness. These things. These, see what you need to understand. If all of these things are already in you, well, Pastor, I sure don't feel like it. Well, let's just read a couple more. I'll tell you how to access them. Tap into it. Beneficence. Uh, that's a, it, that's goodness. Uh, it, it's a person generous or doing good. There you go. Uh, of good nature or honorable. Yeah. That's goodness. Yeah. All right. Faith or faithfulness. Faithfulness. This, this really could have been described as fa- translated as faithfulness. But let's read these. A conviction of the truth of anything. Belief. In the, uh, New Testament. In the New Testament of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Generally with the included idea of trust and holy fe- fervor. Born of faith and joined with it. Yes. Relating to God, the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Relating to Christ, a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God, the religious beliefs of Christians, uh, belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence whether in God or Christ, springing from faith in the same. And then third definition is fidelity or faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. When God, in your spirit, there is, there is basic faith in your spirit. There is the spirit of faith in your spirit. Basic faith is in there, but you have to grow that basic faith for what you're believing for. God gives every man a measure of faith. That's what that faith is. But if you're believing, listen, if you're believing for a creative miracle, if you're believing for healing and the doctors say, well, this is really what it is, how much you know that basic faith has to be built up to obtain that creative miracle? God gives you a building block of faith 
but he doesn't give you all the faith that you need at once in your spirit. But you do have a building block for it. The other thing that this faith is, is this faith gives you the ability to be a person that can be relied on. This is a person that when they give you their word, they're coming through. They're not going to flake out. They're not going to quit. This is a person. This is the ability to be at church when church is, when the church is having a service. This is the ability to show up at work on time. This is the ability to not eat the clock. This is the ability to be faithful in relationships. Well, how come I've had horrible, I've had horrible friendships. My friends are never faithful. Do they know God and have they grown their spirit of faith, their fruit of faithfulness? If not, they're going to fail you every time. And also, what kind of a friend are you being? Because if you're not being a good friend, they're not going to be good friends to you. There's a Strong's definition on here. For sake of time, we're going to jump to meekness. Meekness, Uh, which is gentleness, mildness, meekness. Humble. Be humble. Honestly, meekness is not putting others before you, or not putting yourself before others. others. If you're, and this can be a really tough one. How much do you know that, that if those people don't really deserve to be in front of you for whatever reason? They've mistreated you, they've whatever. It can be hard. It's very hard to put yourself down and put others first. That's right. All right, the last one is temperance, also known as self-control. Self-control is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. In other words, this is somebody that can control. Like, man, I just want that cake. I want, I'm just going to eat one bite before you know it. They ate the whole cake. They are not exercising self-control. Man, I just really want to get with that person, and, and, they're, and they get with them. They're not exercising self-control. Self-control, I, used to, I tell the teenagers, I used, still would tell the teenagers all the time, there's nothing wrong with noticing an attractive person. What you need to do is when you notice somebody that's attractive, and this is for adults too, you look at that person and you go, wow, good job. And then you bounce your mind. You take your mind right off of it. You just say, good job, God, and you bounce. What does that mean? That means you change your direction and you get your, you get your thoughts and your emotions under control. That's what that is. Um, it's mastering, controlling, curbing, uh, resisting oneself. Temperate or content, uh, that's, or to have temperance. Now, how do you get the fruit to come to pass? How do you get the fruit to come to pass? You get the fruit to come to pass because, number one, you need to study on it, know what it is, and understand that it's already in you. Number two, how God gets you to grow fruit is he allows you to be in positions where you have to use these uh, fruits in your life. In other words, somebody is going to uh, push your patience button. And that's the moment that you've got to step back and you've got to connect to your spirit and you've got to go, okay, Lord, help me with patience. Help me to stand fast. You're, this is when you are at the airport and you absolutely have to get a flight to wherever you're going and the flights get canceled. This is the moment that instead of being irate and chewing out the, the person behind the counter, the flight attendant behind the counter, you've got to tap into gentleness and kindness and goodness and meekness and self-control and, and the love of Christ and joy. And, and joy. You've got to tap into those. You've got to tap in and say, okay, God, <laughs> we, we're pulling out all nine fruits right here. Help yeah, me, Jesus. That's, that's, you know, and, and I, 
I assure you, if you're short in one of these things and you pray for one of them, God is not going to just automatically fill you with, with, with uh, let's say, goodness. What he's going to fill your life with is the opportunity to be good to people. Because Michael and I, we didn't know how to activate these things. We saw these things and we said, Lord Jesus, we need patience one with the other. We need patience in general. And the Lord said, sure thing, youth minister. And I'm telling you what, talk about opportunities to exercise patience and self-control. Come on. Because those are the two things we prayed for. That's how you activate these things. So, uh, but notice he says here, he says, against these things, there is no law. Against these things, there's no law. You can walk in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control all the days of your life, and you will never break the law. Well, Pastor, how did you learn to say that that fast? Because how I grew my fruit is I walked around going, I walk in, I have the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, and gentleness of God. I have the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, I mean, just over and 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 over until it became a reality in my life. I like that he calls them fruits for a different reason. Because where do you get fruits from? You have to plant seeds. And you get them off the vine. Mm-hmm. Off the tree. Well, yes, you do get them off the tree, but you have to plant those seeds first. That's right. So as long as you're planting those seeds and you're and you're of of patience and those seeds of goodness and those seeds of kindness, then you're going to be able to reap that. It's going to show in your life. People are going to be able to see those fruits in your life. They become, as you said, your posterity. They they're there long after you're gone. People will see those fruits that you planted, whether That's they right. be good or bad. That's right. As we get ready to give our tithes and offerings, I'm just going to read these two verses to you. We've already read them, but I'm just going to read them. And it says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. Basically, he said, if you belong to Christ, you put your flesh down. You didn't do the works of the, you didn't do the, works of the flesh. He said, um, if we live in the Spirit, um, let us also walk in the Spirit. Um, how much you know, if you're living out of your spirit, you're going to walk in the spirit. You're going to do spiritual things. You're going to respond out of the spirit. Let not us be um, the serious of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Listen, if somebody's got their walk going on, don't get envious of them. If they've got their walk going on and God's blessing them, don't get envious. Don't get all upset and with them and, oh, you're, how come you're so good? Just, just say, you know what, someday I'm going to walk just like them. And don't get yourself all puffed up either. Oh, look at me, I'm so good. I don't ever get over in the... Don't do that. You'll end up in the flesh in a heartbeat. But I've seen people do it. Don't do that. Well, glory to God. I know we've had a long service on a Wednesday night. But uh, we kind of... I, I wanted to leave you on a good note. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I wanted to leave you on a good note. Why don't you bless the offering? Our ushers will come. Lord, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for leading and guiding us and teaching us how to walk in your fruit and not in the lusts of the flesh. Lord, we, we ask that you, you help us to remember this throughout the week and to meditate on Give this and to get it down on, our, on the inside, in our hearts, to make, make the word become spirit for us, to become rhema for us so that we will, we will remember this and it will have power for us and that we will be able to call on it when we need it. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for your many blessings. And we want to give unto your kingdom because you gave so much more unto us first. You gave us all these fruits. 
and you gave us your son. And we just want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And we ask that you bless it so that it becomes that. And Lord, we just ask that you bless us back that we can become a bigger blessing. And Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. This word is planted on good ground, and we are forewarned and forearmed, and we will stand against you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're online and you want these, these papers, I can actually attach them uh, in a PDF to, uh, on our website. You actually have to go to the website, discipleshouse.faith, online sermons. And, and then you'll be able to download the PDF, but I won't get them on there till probably tonight or tomorrow, but they will be there. Father, we thank you for the goodness. We thank you for your blessings. Father, we give you honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, sirs. We thank you that the word is working. You can